Hello Life Changers, thank you so much for joining us. We have got an amazing word for you, so why don't you lean in, grab a notebook and pen, and get ready for what God has to say to you today. Good, lovely to be together. Okay, we're going to read scripture together, Joshua chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles, Joshua chapter 2 verses 1 through to 22, and then we're going to jump around a little bit, the scripture will be on the screen. Love you guys. This is how the scripture starts, and Joshua chapter 2 says, Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up, uh, taken them up out onto the roof and hidden them beneath the bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sion and Og and the, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now, swear to me by the Lord that you'll be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we'll keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then, when they have returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, we'll be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on people inside this house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. I accept your terms, she replied, and she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. The spies went up into the hill country and stayed there three days. The men who were chasing them searched everywhere along the road, but they finally returned without success. We fast forward a few chapters to Joshua chapter 6. The culmination of this narrative, as Rahab predicted, the Israelites have come and they're coming to lay siege of Jericho, uh, the city of Jericho to bring the walls down. And this is what Jer Joshua 6 verse 20 says, When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. And then they burned the whole city and everything in it. 
But they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. There's a, a whole lot of reading, people. There, well done. This title of the sermon this evening is Hanging by a Thread. Hanging by a Thread. And I thought, who is this sermon for? Well, I would like to suggest maybe it's when for somebody here, when everything around you is collapsing around you and you feel like your life is hanging by a thread. It's for you. Maybe it seems like there is more month than money and every, every month you're stressing, you're worrying, you're concerned and you feel like you're hanging by a thread. It's for you. Maybe you're here and you're feeling overwhelmed by debt and you feel like you're hanging by a thread. This is for you. Maybe sickness is in your body and it won't relent. And it feels like you're hanging by a thread. Maybe the emotional toll of the situation you're facing has been wearing you down little by little. And you're hanging by a thread. Maybe the grief that's been beating down on you. And no matter what you say, no matter what you do, you feel that you'll never be fully yourself again. Unable to bounce back. And you feel like you're hanging by a thread. Then I believe this is for you. When sleep and peace and joy have been successfully evading you for what seems like forever. And it feels like you're hanging by a thread. Or when the enemy has convinced you that no matter what you do, your depression, your anxiety, your addiction, your insecurity, your fear will always be a part of you and you feel like you're hanging by a thread. Or maybe it's all of the above. And it feels like beneath the facade, you're just one more blow away from everything collapsing around you and you're hanging by a thread. I believe today is a word from God for you. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the, the, the incredible joy of your presence here with us in this room. And I thank you, Father, that we are not just talking about you, we want to engage with you. So we come to your word right now, and I thank you, God, as we have read your word. I pray now, would your word read us and bring change where there needs to be change? Would you bring strength where there needs to be strength? Would you strengthen the feeble knees that give way? Would you lift up the weary heads? And where we are hanging by a thread, I thank you, Father, we'd find the grace and mercy and courage and strength of our King would be more than enough for this moment and every moment that goes from this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're gonna preach this pastorally together, so why don't you turn to the person next to you and encourage them and say, hang in there, hang in there. Before we move on, how great was worship? Well done. Yeah, sheesh, man. Well done, Kelly. Honestly, eh? I think, you, I think you, there might be a career in this music thing for you, eh? Shucks, give it a go, man. Why not give it a go? Anyway, give it a go, man. Back to the text. There's this, this lady, the scripture opens up with a lady and a city, a city named Jericho, a city that had a reputation. If you want to know the backstory is Moses has led the people out of uh, Egypt. They've got uh, two million people have come out of Egypt. But now Moses has died, 40 years have passed, and Joshua, their new leader, has been tasked to take them into the promised land. And one of the first cities that they have to lay siege to on this journey through the promised land, there's giants, there's cities, there's fortified cities that need to be conquered for them to take possession of the promise God had for them, is the city of Jericho. And the Jericho was a fortified city. It was a city of a reputation of great strength and military prowess, and they, they, they worshiped foreign gods, they were antagonistic to the people of God, and this was the first enemy they had to combat. Inside that city was another person of reputation, namely Rahab, and the Bible tells us Rahab the prostitute. And it doesn't just say Rahab, daughter of, 
It doesn't say Rahab the, this, with this career or this situation or this backstory. No, it goes right to the judge and says, this is who she is, Rahab the prostitute. A city of reputation, a lady with a reputation, but the incredible reality is we find we run straight into the reality that there is also a God in the story, the God of Israel who has a reputation. Because Rahab starts to talk about this amazing God and she says to these people, I have heard, I have heard of your God. I've heard that actually this is the God that led the people out of Egypt, the people, the God that led them through the Red Sea, out in, the Red Sea parted before them in dramatic fashion. She says, I've heard that your God is supreme and awesome, a God who, who's not to be trifled with. God has got a reputation that God has gone before them. And what is so profound is Rahab is narrating a history that happened 40 years prior. This was the fact that the word of God had gone before the people, before they'd even arrived at the first battle, the word of God had gone and was fighting on their behalf. We have a God of history who's fighting on our behalf. But I love the reality that we've told again and again, Rahab the prostitute, Rahab the prostitute, and it brings such courage to my heart because let me tell you, this book is not a book of the blessed good. How to be blessed if you are good. No, it's actually on the whole country. This book is all about the blessed bad. The bad, the ugly, and the terrible. And how somehow God will bless them despite that. And I love the fact from the get-go, I want to tell you tonight, that actually God is in the business of using anybody He chooses. He can and He will use anyone He chooses. And this is such courage to me, whether you're Rahab the prostitute or anywhere else in that spectrum, God says, I still have a plan and I can still use you. We get this narrative where actually we're told that as, as she starts to haggle and she starts to get nervous, she starts to realize that her whole existence and a whole city, a way of life, Jericho's way of life, is literally hanging by a thread. She, is, she sees that this army, the, the, the people of God are coming, and God is fighting on their behalf, and she says, we don't stand a chance. She is now hedging her bets and saying, I'm going all in. She is hiding the, the, almost the enemy of her city. She's betraying her own people because she's saying, our futures are hanging by a thread. We need to do something. Stuff is going about to go down. I need to make sure I'm on the right side of the story. And they say to her this narrative saying, what you're going to do is as you let us down, when we come to come and lay waste to your city, as we come to lay siege of your city and take uh, the, the captive of your, your city, we, for us to spare you and your family, leave this rope, the scarlet rope hanging out the window, and we'll be able to spot that and we'll make sure that we are able to rescue you when everyone else is slaughtered. It's like Game of Thrones, people. This thing is crazy. But this is the reality. As we fast forward to chapter six, can you imagine that, that day when Joshua arrives with his military might and prowess? And the city, as we told Jericho, is, is a fortified city, but it's a city in fear as well. They've shut the gates and they're all nervously watching Joshua start to walk around the, the city the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time. And nerves are shattered. They don't know what is going on. They don't know how to, they're not gonna stand a chance. And then a mighty shout goes out up and you can imagine as Rahab is watching this, as she starts to see the very walls of the city start to shiver and quake, and the bricks start to fall around her, as God's mighty hand starts to win the battle without even laying a sword or laying a, 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 a fist to the ground, that actually God is fighting for his people. And she starts to see literally her whole world crumbling around her. I can imagine that moment, her starts to going like, I hope they'll keep their promise. <laughs> I'm, I'm, she's going, I hope they remember. I hope they remember. And, I, and she's probably going, Scarlet rope, Rahab, you moron. Why didn't you say something more dramatic, like the bat signal from the, some, like, how, what if they missed that? What if they missed this little rope hanging? Like my whole future is literally hanging by a thread here. 
She is literally going, can you imagine that moment going, sure, is that enough of that's going to grab their attention? Will they remember? Well, I hope the spies are at the front. I hope they're not at the back. It actually were big deals. They're able, I cut a deal with the middlemen. Or what, what's going to happen here? She's watching nervously as this whole starts to crumble. But we're told that in this moment that it says that Joshua rescued Rahab, the prostitute, and her family. Now, what is so huge is that word rope, the scarlet rope. That word there in the Hebrew is the word tikva, tikva. But the incredible reality, when used as a noun, that's what tikva means, rope. But when it's used in a different context, the same word tikva means hope. And that's why the Israel national anthem to this day is called the tikva, the hope, the song of hope. And when you see that for her, it wasn't just a scarlet rope, a scarlet tikva, it was a scarlet hope. It was the rope was her hope, the hope was her rope, the rope on the soap, the hope on the rope. <laughs> this, was her, this was her reality that for her, she was hanging by a thread, trusting that that would be enough. Pause there for a second. We want to come back here. I want to pull on another thread in the story, another thread and pull us into this narrative that actually I've now been preaching full time for over 12, 13 years. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, I remember the first little while when I started to preach, uh, I, I was a man. I was like, come on, give me the mic. I've got stuff to say. I'm a preacher, people. Let me preach. Now, let me preach every month or two. And if you're preaching every second month, people like you because you're getting to get your, like, your best sermon out. You know, the other guys are slogging away week in and week out. And then you come and you th- I've got four stories, but you tell those four stories. Everyone's laughing. This guy is brilliant. And I remember it was amazing. And then had, the problem was then I started to have to preach more regularly. And week in and week out, I had to start to preach a lot. And I realized that my four stories were running dry. And uh, people were like, wow, you told us that one the last time, eh? I'm like, oh, did I? Wow, scraping the barrel. And I've started to realize that very quickly that I, I was running out of things to say. And I was stressing every week. And every week, I started to have this nervous tension in my stomach that it felt like if you, if you want to know what Saturday nights feel like in my home, it's the night before matric final. Every week. True story. Every single week, it feels like, oh my gosh, there are people coming tomorrow to church, and they're expecting me to say something profound. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Ryan. And, and, and it started away, and they're going like, okay, I've got to have something really deep, and whoa, we want, what, different angles and thoughts, and, and this anxiety used to build until I, I discovered the, the, the truth of the scripture and the reality that actually, I don't have to have something new to say every week. Let me tell you why. Because actually, there is only one message in the Bible, and his name is Jesus. And actually, it set me free so, so freely. And I want to tell you, if you, here's, if you, if you want, here's our preaching team meeting for the next 10 years. Guess what we'll be preaching next week? Jesus. Week of that, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come back next year, Jesus. We'll be preaching Jesus till the cows come home, and the cows never come home. Because why? Because actually, Jesus is on every page. He is, he is literally the scarlet thread that weaves its way throughout the whole scripture that actually he is on every single page of this reality. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, once said, they said, how do you pre- prepare to preach? He said, easy. I pick any text and then I make a beeline for Christ. Because it's all about him. And actually I've started to learn that actually I could spend all of my days preaching on Jesus and I'll never run dry of material. 
I need to learn how to preach Jesus as friend, preach Jesus as comforter, preach Jesus as shepherd, preach Jesus as king, preach Jesus as redeemer, preach Jesus as prophet, preach Jesus as the one in the fire with you, preach Jesus as Lord, preach Jesus as sacrifice, preach Jesus as the lily in the valley, preach Jesus as our warrior, preach Jesus as the bridegroom, preach Jesus as the soon coming king, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus will never exhaust it. Why? He is my only message and I will not apologize about it. I won't. Why? Because Jesus is the gospel. You can poll people in a million churches around the world these days and tell us what the gospel is, and you'll get all these different didactic reasons of this scripture and what the gospel might mean. Can I tell you, boils down, it's the good news about Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's actually the final message, the final sermon from God to humanity. Hebrews said that in the beginning I spoke about, the, I used the prophets. He said, but now I have spoken through my son. If you right now are saying, got a, a loud hailer, said, God, from heaven, said, speak a word, a prophetic word over the church, God, God came, the father was here and said, oh, church of 2022, I've got a word for you, do you know what he would say, Jesus, this is my son, I still love him, and I'm still well pleased with him, he's the hope, Jesus, he's not gone off track, and actually, for the realities, without Jesus, this is a glorified TED talk, with Jesus, it is the good news for salvation. With Jesus, it is the sight to the blind. It is the legs to the lame. It is a beating heart to the dead. It is freedom for the oppressed. It's liberation for the perverse. It's comfort for the distressed. And there's nothing else that sends demons fleeing. It's only the name of Jesus. And let me tell you, all of heaven backs that name. All of heaven shouts that name. All of heaven stands to attention, that name, the name of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul said it better than I have in the last five minutes. He said it in one way. He said, I resolve to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. That's what we'll preach. So we're pulling on that thread a little bit all the way today. So keep your finger and your thoughts in Joshua chapter 2. But I want to tell you about Jesus, our high priest, for a moment. When I say the high priest, you see... There comes a moment often in our lives where, I, and I've had these moments where I feel like I'm hanging by a thread and I don't know what to pray. Where my life, I feel, I feel like I've, I've got, whether it's a diagnosis, whether it's a, a phone call you get, whether it's a relational breakup, where there's chaos, where there's internal chaos or external chaos, and you're like, God, I, I just don't know what to pray. Well, here's the good news is that actually in the Bible, the word sin is the, the Greek word hamatia. Hamatia basically boils down, means to miss the mark. And it's from the essence of, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all have hamatiad, if you can put it that way, for all have missed the mark. We've, we've not attained to God's glory for us. We've missed the mark. That is what the essence of sin is, that God has this plan for life, but we have sinned and we've fallen short. Anything that is, that is not God's best is actually sin. And we've fallen short. We've missed the mark. But then in the book of Hebrews, when the writer starts to preach their sermon about Jesus and tell us, Jesus our high priest, it says that Jesus, the high priest, makes intercession for us. It means he prays for us at the right hand of the Father. That, now, what is so cool about that is that word intercession, where he makes intercession. That word, that Greek word means interhamia, which is the exact opposite of hamatia. It means he makes intercession, means Jesus makes intercession. Jesus hits the mark at the right hand of the Father for us. So what is so huge, why this is massive for you and I, is that actually in the, in, the, in, the old, in the old covenant, people would come to the high priest on the day of sacrifice to make atonement for their sins, where they've missed the mark and they need God to appease, uh, stand and, and appease for them and, and forgive them of their sins. 
the rich people would come, all the Lani's would come, all the Camps Bay locals would come with their, with their, with their, their top of the range, Woolies lambs, you know, Woolworths, bullocks and calves and, and these amazing, massive animals, the bigger, the better. And they would come and say, yo, here we go. And they're like, wow, what a great sacrifice. And they'll make that sacrifice for them on their behalf. The poor of the poor, though, there was provision in the law that if you couldn't afford that, that you could bring a dove, you could bring a pigeon, and, and even like people who, who are unable to even do that, they said, if you, whatever you can find on your way to the temple, even if like a, a, a pigeon has fallen from the tree and it's got a broken leg, scraggly wings, you can bring that all the way up and you can bring that to the high priest. Because why? The high priest's job is then to take that terrible sacrifice that you bought with the broken leg, the wings on the side, and his job, the high priest's job, was to prepare that sacrifice, to de-feather it, to clean it up, to bind up its leg, so that that sacrifice would be presentable for, the, for God. Here's the amazing truth. So stick with me here. We're going somewhere. So when we come and we are hanging by threads and we don't know what to pray, and you say, I don't have even the words, God. I don't even know what to say. It's me again. I, I'm done. I'm just hanging by. God, I, I don't know. And all it feels like you bring towards him is a prayer that's like a broken-legged pigeon. You bring it to a high priest who always hits the mark who makes intercession for you, and he, deep in, and he says, I've got, I get you, I get you. Bring your prayers here. And he makes your request known to God. This is an incredible thing when we're hanging by a thread. Let me tell you again, when we're hanging by a thread and we don't know what to think, here's the great news. Maybe when you're in a place and you, you can't even make sense of your own thoughts and you, you're dealing with uh, mental health and you're struggling with anxiety and you're saying, I know the scriptures say X, Y, Z, but I'm, God, I just don't know how to get my mind under control. Here's, here's the great news as well for you tonight is that the, the high priest, when they're going to the Holy of Holies, what they, would, they, would, they would wear a gold-plated headdress over their heads to symbolize holiness of thought. To say that actually, though we might not have all the thoughts right, we, that this is symbolizing that actually my thoughts have been purified. And the great news is our, it's just that was an external reality. We have a high priest named Jesus who comes and at the cross, as he goes to plead the case before the Father and become the final sacrifice, we're told that he wears a crown of thorns on his head. Thorns that went into the very, the very head of, of a crown of a, his head. And actually the Bible tells us that he sweated to the point of blood. He sweated from his brow. What's magnificent about that is in Genesis chapter 3, the first curse against humanity was saying that from the sweat of your brow, you'll have to work and labor and there'll never be enough. You'll never be satisfied. But then we have a high priest who came and from his brow, he put that curse to rest. And from his very brain, from his mind, from his, from his very mind, he bleeds and he suffers to such an extent. The Bible then goes to tell us that because he suffered that way, he took on our thought life and it tells us that we've been given the mind of Christ. The very mind of Christ. This is the reality for you and I is that when the enemy pulls on the threads of your depression, when he pulls on the tattered threads of your self-image, of the fear of the future, I want to keep reminding you, you have been given the mind of Christ. I want to tell you, maybe you've been hanging by a thread and you don't know how to be free. You, you, you're saying, I've said the same things again and I feel like I'm inside, I'm crumbling because I keep going to the same vices, the same sources of dysfunction. I never seem to get free and I'm always looking at how dreadful I am and I feel like, how am I ever going to get move forward? Well, we have in the, the, the high priestly system every year on the Day of Atonement, they'll bring two lambs, the scapegoat that they'll put the sins of the people and drive out the back of the, the church, drive out the back of the temple into the wilderness, taking the sins of the people out into the wilderness. And then the spotless lamb that would come, the perfect lamb, would be slaughtered, and they'll take that into the holy of holies. The high priest would go in there and drop the, the blood on the altar there. And this is an incredible reality is the one lamb went, one goat went out that way, the one lamb went in this way. 
what is so profound is to the instructions to the people, the people, the sinful people is this. They said, but keep, you do not watch the scapegoats. You keep your eyes on the Holy of Holies. Here's the reality. This is the encouraging for us in this reality is that I want to keep reminding you and I that no matter what is looking like behind you, no matter what the, 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 the name that's attached to you, Rahab the prostitute, Gabe the addict, or X, Y, Z, the, the dysfunctional, the, 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 the broken, the, the abused, the abuser, whatever moniker's put behind your name that anyone wants to remind you of. Yes, that sin's been driven up, but I want to tell you, keep reminding you, eyes on the Holy of Holies. Eyes on, eyes on what he has done. Eyes on where he has done God taking you to. So all of that is to said, we're pulling on some threads here, is that we get to the day of atonement for the high priest. And the high priest, what would happen? Because of all this stuff that was going on, saying prayers, sacrifice for the people. Then in this moment, wearing a gold-plated headdress to signify the, the thought, a pure thought life, coming and sending lambs going in and out. They got to this moment where there was such a symbolic uh, significance to this moment. Once a year on the day of atonement, the, the high priest would then walk into the Holy of Holies and as he would go in, though, there was starting to come a, a situation where the high priest would go in because they weren't perfectly sinless and maybe they hadn't repented of things, high priest started dropping down dead in the presence of God. God's presence was so thick in the Holy of Holies that God could not tolerate them, their mess that they would fall down dead. Now, everyone on the outside would be looking and going, ching chong cha, who's going to go get that guy? Like no one's going, I'm not going in to get that guy. I'm like, if that guy who's the high priest has died, I'm not going in. So they, they created a system where they would get a rope that was, had been prepared and, to, and been dipped in blood. It's called the scarlet rope. Ryan, let's do this thing together. What they would do is they would tie this rope around the ankle of the man, the high priest. They would tie it around the ankle, and it was like, a, like your, your ginger cat with a little bell on it. True story. So that when the high priest would go in all the way through as he was doing, administering the sacrifices, they'll let up more slack outside. They'll do it. As he was going, you'll hear the jingle, 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 jingle. Oh, it's all cool. Jingle, jingle, jingle. Then it'll get to the point where suddenly he's in the Holy of Holies. They're all listening. If they hear the bell, all's good. He's still alive. If they hear the bell stop and they hear a thud, they know it's time. Right, boys? Heave ho on three. And they'll pull the dead priest out, all the way out like this. Out of the reality. All the old, the sinful people outside pull the scarlet rope out and the priest will come back and they'll go, okay, cool. Who's drawing the short short to be take on the duty? You want to be high priest? No, 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 not me. Here's the incredible reality is when Jesus, our great high priest, went into the Holy of Holies, not the, not the, the shadow and copy here on earth, but the actual real reality in heaven. When he was the final sacrifice, went into the Holy of Holies on our behalf. Here's the amazing reality where we're all sinful outside and we're waiting. The Bible says that we are dead. We are dead in our sinful nature, and he's in the Holy of Holies. This is what, the, what Jesus, we told that Jesus did for us, is that he pulled us the other way. He pulled us in when we do not do, cannot do anything. He pulled us in. Great acting, Ryan. Very good. Well done. He pulls us in by that rope. He pulls us into that. So when we've fallen short, he, we've got this, the perfect high priest who has never fallen short, who ever lives to pray for us. He has got the mind to give us the mind of Christ. He is the perfect sacrifice. And get every, no matter when we are even hanging by a thread, he says, but that's enough for me. I'll pull you in. I'll keep pulling you into my story, into my presence. That's incredible. Here's the reality for you and I, is that not just a hope to pull us out of our sin, shame, sadness, or situation, but it's a hope, or it's a tikva, it's a rope to pull us into his favor and presence. Too often we pray prayers, God, get me out of. I want to tell you, God is saying, I want to pull you into, into. 
into, into, into the favor, into the presence, into the reality of what I have for you and I. So let's move back to Rahab and we bring this into land. Rahab's future. Rahab the prostitute, her future is hanging by a thread. A scarlet rope, a scarlet hope. But Tikva just hang out the window, hoping they'll see it, and the whole, the, everything crumbling around her. But see, Joshua remembered and saved her and her whole family. It's an incredible narrative, and you think, wow, what a story, what a narrative. Rahab the prostitute, what a great end for her. Amazing. She got rescued and pulled out of the, the burning flames of Jericho as it crumbled to the ground. Ah, great, thank you. What a great ending. Thank you, well done. Except that's not the ending. Because we realize that actually, yes, the people were pulling her out of that story and pulling her out of that moment, but something greater was going on beneath the surface. Because actually, if we pull that scarlet thread a little bit further, we run into a scripture called Matthew chapter 1. We'll read on the screen. Matthew chapter 1 says this. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. And if we jump down to verse 5, the next one says this. And Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Rahab, the prostitute, finds herself in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. In that moment when she put a scarlet rope out saying, this will be my way out of the burning flames of Jericho. Little did she know, hanging by a thread, was actually there was a greater God on the other side pulling her not just out of Jericho, but pulling her into the very lineage of Jesus Christ. This is so profound because actually, if we keep reading, that's not the last we see of Rahab the prostitute. Hebrews chapter 11 is a narrative about the heroes of our faith. Moses, Abraham, all these incredible heroes. And we run into Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31 says, By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Rahab, the prostitute, makes into the, the examples of faith. But what is so significant, if we keep reading, in verse 32 it says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets. The incredible writer of Hebrews says, he gives a whole line to Rahab the prostitute, and he says, I don't have time to talk about David. I don't have time to talk about Samuel, about Gideon, but I've got time to talk about Rahab. Literally, Rahab with a little rope out the window is being pulled not just into Jesus' genealogy, but now as an example of faith. But wait, there's more. In James chapter 2, verse 25, James says, in the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. She's not no longer even just called someone who was trying to hedge her bets and get a, a safe, easy passage. Rahab the prostitute is now declared righteous. She is literally pulled into the very righteousness of God. All the way, that thread, she's pulled into the Holy of Holies, pulled all the way through, past all that other defensive mechanism. She's pulled out of her situation, but not just out of, she's pulled into something much more incredible than she first ever imagined. Hanging by a thread. Here I want to tell you, Jesus is pulling the threads of our tattered emotions. He's pulling the threads of our tattered habits. He's pulling the threads of our tattered relationships. He's pulling the threads of our tattered dreams, our tattered life, our tattered situation that is beyond your control. When you say, I don't have any more words to pray. I don't, have, don't know what to even think about it. I don't even know what to do about it, God. Jesus says, actually, that's okay. Come to me. I'm the high priest who will pull those threads and I'll pull you into something more than you could ever imagine. I thought they would get an amen at least once. Here is something that is so profound as we bring this to land. There is a priest named Jesus. 
whoever lives to pray for you. He prays for you when you don't know what to pray. He thinks of you when you don't know what to think. He keeps his eyes on you when you've lost sight of him. You see, because all the way through scripture, it's not just a scarlet rope. There's a scarlet thread called his blood. His blood that goes from page one all the way, from Genesis one all the way to Revelations 22. And the very centerpiece is Jesus on the cross. And his blood that flowed mingled down, the blood that flowed from his side, that flowed, it flowed all the way from Emmanuel's veins, from Jesus' veins, all the way to our lowest shame, our lowest disgrace, to our, our, the, the descriptions, Rahab, the prostitute, Gabe, the addict, uh, whoever, the betrayer, the abuser, the liar, the, the thief, the villainous, the, the fraudster, the disappointment, the rejected, the bitter, the betrayed, the angry, whatever you put there behind you, his blood reaches that space, and that's the scarlet cord that reaches and drags you into the more that he has for you. This is the blood, the scarlet thread, and forever, forever we are attached to this rope. This hope, this tikva, the scarlet thread for you. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to take your next step or find out what is happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. Cheers.